This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Michael Gerber, the editor and publisher of The American Bystander and all-star print humor quarterly. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. I will um, take us into our last letter, uh, which is also something of an update. So that's exciting because I'm always asking people for those. So I love it when those come in. Uh, The subject is hoping for an echo. Several months ago, you answered my question, desperate to scream in public. Thank you so much for your advice. It really helped to gain an additional perspective. Uh, Just to hear that the guest had gone through something similar was itself very helpful. I actually took your advice. I've started working on a fictional piece that's related to my experience, but I'm giving it lots of breathing room and lots of long deadlines. I think you were also right. I was trying to replace a desire to hear from my old friends with other immediate feedback. I ended up writing to several friends who I was once close with, saying that I was sorry we hadn't been in touch and that I'd like to reconnect if they wanted to. I haven't heard back from any of them. It's now been months. I'm trying to make peace with the knowledge that none of these people I once felt close to want to be in contact with me. It kind of feels like I've been excommunicated. I feel like I now have no evidence that a large chunk of my life took place. This confusion sometimes feels intrusive. Again, I have an excellent therapist and an otherwise supportive network of friends, but I'd really appreciate your perspective. How do you process an event when the people that you experienced it with have cut you out? Man, that's such a great question towards the end. And just mm-hmm. so you know, Mike, just for a little bit of, of your own elucidation, um, the person in question had recently gone through a divorce. Um, they were themselves an artist. They were kind of wondering whether or not they should create art about their divorce when they were kind of in the middle of going through it. And then they also mentioned, I've lost a lot of friends, partly because my my now ex told everybody that I was having an affair when I wasn't. Uh-huh. Um, so there was also that kind of question of like, I I want to know if I should be trying to like clear up an actual like lie about. Me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And and our advice had at the time had been kind of a combination of you are certainly entitled to create art about anything that feels meaningful and and we don't think that you should have to like perfectly therapeutically process an event in your personal life before you're allowed to get creative with it. But it did seem like what the letter writer really wanted was to get feedback, support answers from their friends and that they were thinking because they haven't reached out to me and because they might think I cheated on my partner when I didn't, I'm a little nervous too. So I'd rather just like make art about it. And so our advice had been broadly, you know, don't, don't have art do like act as a substitute for talking with your friends, get in touch. So that that's where we're starting from. So the question is, how do you process an event where the people you experienced it with have cut you out? Yeah. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine and they're going through a divorce, and it was a situ- same situation. They were being dropped by some people, and they said to me, I don't understand why they don't believe me, why my friends don't believe me. Uh, what do I do about this? And, and, and what I perceived from this person was a real sense of, it wasn't just, you know, in a, in a kind of shitty 12-steppy way, you could say it was trying to control the narrative. I want people to, to like me, or I don't want people not to like me, um, or to not, or I want people to think well of me. And, you know, you can't, there's no, you, you can't control that. You know, the, I had always heard when I was growing up, a third of the people you meet are going to love you. A third of the people are going to like, like, you know, not like you. And a third are not going to have an opinion. 
So I think one part of this is to say one's processing of an event is a personal experience. And of course, it makes it easier, perhaps, if you have people that support you or take your side or whatever else. But at the end of the day, particularly if you're an artist, it's your experience and you're going to have to process it however, you know, however you can. Um, And what people do one way or the other is, it may make it a little harder in the short term, but it also might make it stick a little more. That if you have to come to grips with something yourself, you won't have to rely on other people's opinion of you or the situation or who was right and who was wrong. Um, So I think that that's part of it too. Um, But when I read this, I was, I recalled an interesting part of my own life where I had a, um, a chronic illness that nearly killed me. And to get cured, uh, I ended up having to do a lot of, I had some therapies that I had to do, but also I had to do a lot of house cleaning in my life. And I found that a lot of my relationships changed and some mm-hmm. came and some left. Um, and I left and I lost some friends and I lost some really close friends as a result of that too. Uh, and, you know, part of it is like, if you lose close friends and you're not, you haven't done anything overtly monstrous, you, or you've done something, in my case, you've done something good, you've saved your life, um, then it's, you can say, well, people come and people go. And, that, and, and the people coming and people going, that is kind of a marker of real change. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's always a bad thing. Um, it can be a painful thing, but as people go, they make space for new people. And um, it might be best to sort of say, rather than trying to process this experience with your old friends, get new friends that can help you process it. Um, I know that sounds glib. That sounds glib, but you know. I don't think so. I, I was glad to hear the letter writer said, I have another supportive network of friends. So it was nice that it wasn't just like, I've lost everyone. So what do you think? You know, I mean, certainly I think my most straightforward answer to the last question is just you mourn it. You know, how do you process an experience uh, when the people that you went through it with cut you out? You mourn it. It's sad. It's hard. And you mourn it. Um, And I don't mean that glibly either, but I just mean like it's sad. And you, you know, cry about it, talk about it, journal about it, think about it. Um, Eventually you will do it a little bit less and a little bit less. Um, If you find yourself really going back to it all the time, like you are wearing an itch, then I think that can be a useful time to, you know, bring it up with your therapist and talk about, you know, my goal is to not achieve like a perfect sense of finality, but to find a way to not use this as like a a sort of like a mental self-torture. But but short of that, you know, mourn it, think about it, talk about it find meaning in it in whatever way that you can, even if some of the meaning is just like, I learned something really sad and that was really painful. And I had hoped that I would have um, friends who would have at least wanted to hear me out. To that end, I would suggest that given that this letter writer had specifically said, I I have lost these friends, I believe in part because my ex-partner told them that I had cheated and I hadn't. I could kind of see a case to be made for, you know, letter writer, you said, I'm sorry, I haven't been in touch. I'd like to reconnect, which is, it would have been great if that had opened the door. But I wonder if like you could, if you wanted, get like do one more follow-up and get a little more specific 
and just say, I spe- it's not just that I'm sorry that we've been out of touch, but like I specifically miss you. Um, I have missed you since the divorce. Um, I would love to get a chance to talk to you about my experience and it would it would mean a lot to me if you would hear me out. Um, I hope that you do. You don't have to do that, but I do think there's room to get a, that much more clear because it's not just that like, sorry, I've been busy, but I've missed you. It's specifically, I'm worried you think something untrue about me that might color your view of my character. Danny, does it, it, it maybe I'm too direct, but I think to myself that if I was in that situation, when I reached out in that email, I would say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've missed you. I've been thinking about you. I've, I've valued our friendship. Um, and I'd love to reconnect. Regardless of whether you want to reconnect or not, I want to be clear about something. I've, and then I would say, you know, I, would, I now know that my ex-partner was telling people that I was cheating and I was not. And uh, because, you, because I care about you as a friend and I want you to know that I'm an ethical person, that's important for me. It's important that, that you know that truth. Um, whether you want to associate with me or not is up to you. I don't know. You know, it's like I say, um, that may be too direct for an email, but um, I kind of like your, your version better. But my personality is, hey, look, <laughs> you know, hey, look. This did yeah. not happen. I, I mean, I think that's totally feasible too. Like we're talking about long-standing friends um, who the letter writer had known a long time and who had kind of dropped off the face of the earth. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to think like I think they stopped returning your calls because your ex said something that was. And like again, I wish that they hadn't just responded by like never speaking to you. And maybe some of that has also stemmed from like discomfort or like I wasn't sure what to say. And if you're just direct and you're just like. I think this might be why I apologize for putting this in an email, but I haven't been able to, you know, get a hold of you. You know, hopefully you'll get at least one or two people who will say something like, thank you for this. I'm sorry. I've been meaning to call you back, but because I didn't know what to say, I put it off. And then I felt embarrassed about how long I had put it off. And, 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 that's, and that's the sorting hat. That's the sorting hat for people that should stay in your life. Because, you know, none of us need fair weather friends. All of us need really good friends. And so if there's a friend that, uh, you know, that to me, if somebody writes back and says, oh, geez, this is really uncomfortable, blah, 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 um, that, that's an indicator to me that, oh, this person still has real affection for me. So then yeah. I'm going to give real affection back. Um, I think particularly in the wake of a divorce where I haven't been through one, God, I hope I never do go through one. But, you know, the divvying up of the friends seems to be a thing. And also, too, there seemed to be a certain type of person who is very good at kind of vilifying the other partner. You know, and, and I will say, like, only this, that that anybody who will listen to gossip about you without giving you a chance to say your own piece, that's a person that I don't feel I could be very close to. If somebody said, you know, uh, God forbid Kate and I would get a divorce. God forbid that she would never. That's why we're married. Um, but in any case, anybody who's a friend, not an acquaintance, not a, not a friend of convenience or situation, but a real friend to you, is, is, is not only going to listen to you saying, hey, uh, no, I didn't do that, but also 
um, is going to be tremendously relieved, is going to believe you and be tremendously relieved. Because anybody who's going to be your friend, who is somebody you want to stay close to, is going to say, oh, yeah, no, I always thought you were a person of ethics and integrity. And uh, that surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I really understand that. Again, especially a friend you've known a really long time. Um, and you would want to feel like at the very least would want to hear you out. Although I can also appreciate that it can feel uncomfortable to go to a friend and say, you know, your soon-to-be ex just told me something upsetting about you. And I I... I don't want to get this involved in your guys' relationship, but now I want to know. So I can also appreciate why they might not have felt like they knew how to begin the conversation. But I do wish that some of them had responded to the initial attempt to reconnect. And I would also like to leave room for the possibility that, like, letter writer, even if you had, even if you had cheated on your husband and really hurt him and your relationship ended as a result, I would sure hope that your friends would, again, at the very least, like, have a conversation with you and say, that's really hard. I'm not going to invite you two to the same dinner party, but also like life is complicated. People cheat. It doesn't have to be the best thing you ever did. Um, but I also don't need to like turn my head when you walk down the street or something. Yes. Yes. See, this is, this is actually, I'm really glad you bring this up because, and this is, as I get older, I feel this more and more. People are complicated and nobody knows what the rules of a marriage are except the two people in that. And, um, and then also, too, like, to me, you can be sad for the hurt in a situation without necessarily choosing up sides. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, I can certainly see a situation where if a friend came to me and said, oh, you know, my wife or my husband is cheating on me, then my response uh, as, a, as a friend to that person would be outrage on their behalf. But... But over even the middle, not necessarily the long term, if I had had many experiences with their spouse as well as them, and I and I liked their spouse. Now, if I thought their spouse was a creep, you know, okay. But I always thought the person was a creep anyway. Um, I just, humanity, there's not enough humanity in the world. There's not enough compassion in the world. There's not enough forgiveness in the world. All of these things. And that's what we mean by processing. And it can't, go any faster than it can go. But it's a deep acceptance of life as it is, life its own self, successes and failures, the difficulties of people, everybody's struggle to try to get what they want in this life and also try to be a good person. It's hard. And I think for me, my instinct towards not taking sides in situations like this or, or t- trying to love both partners as friends. It's hand in glove with my own self-acceptance, my own processing of stuff. Does that make well, any sense? It not only makes sense, it is all of the, you know, sort of like warmth and complexity and um, open-heartedness that I would frankly come to expect from a Yaley. So, <laughs> Oh, I got to introduce you some lousy Yaley's then. <laughs> I was just, I was just being a goof. Uh, I was you, just, you, uh, you know. You notice I live 3,000 miles away from Yale. <laughs> Sing fair Harvard. All right. Before I let the rest of you go, I have a little bit of uh, advice from a listener about a recent letter. The subject is, if nothing else works, puke on them. I have some tips for your chronically ill letter writer from the January 4th episode. 
I also have a chronic illness that presents with classic pregnancy symptoms, and I can promise the letter writer that unfortunately this isn't unique. It happens to me all the time. I have a few different options I deploy, depending on where I am when I have an episode. If I'm in a grocery store or somewhere and I think I'm not likely to see the questioner again, I just say, obviously I can't talk right now, but I have things under control once. And then I ignore literally everything else that they say. They often get huffy and usually leave once you stop responding. If I'm at work or somewhere with people I'm likely to see again and I need to be a little more diplomatic, I'll usually just say, I'm fine, but let's talk about this later. Can't talk now. Then I follow up with that person and I explain that this happens sometimes due to a chronic illness. It's unpleasant but not contagious and it's under control. Usually I'll make sure someone chatty at the office knows up front so that they can spread the word and I won't get a thousand questions when I'm sick. It's even more helpful if you can tell them how annoying the pregnancy question is ahead of time. I know this might be sharing more than you're comfortable with, but in my experience, it really stems the tide of annoying questions and gossip. If that feels like too much, then I ate some dodgy leftovers and have food poisoning has also served me well over the years. I hope this helps. So do I. Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with the guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form, or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening.